Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Enjoy today's message. Hi, church family. Such a privilege to share God's word with you today. I'm going to open up with Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. It says this, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this day and the opportunity to hear your word. Lord, would you speak to every single heart today? Thank you for your ability to reach all of us all at once and to reach us individually at the same time. I pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what's in your heart. Let what's in your heart and in your word be imparted today with authority and with your truth. We love you and honor you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to open up today by sharing with you something really cool that's happened in our community over the last couple of weeks. Me and a few other pastors, including uh, Jerome Jackson here at Victory, we've been working on a public proclamation uh, dealing with just everything that's been going on around us in society when it comes to racial injustice. So we put together a proclamation, put it out to some pastors, and about 16 pastors in our Goochland area put their names on it and endorsed it along with the the, uh, local church association. And I want to read to you what it says because I think it's something we can be really proud of. It says this, as a church community in Goochland County, we come together as one to proclaim the following. We believe that racism in all of its forms is a destructive force that harms individuals and divides communities. We believe that the clear mandate found in scripture is to love your neighbor as yourself and to do so with sincerity. We repent of racism in all of its forms, recognizing our accountability before our fellow man And before God, we denounce racism in all of its forms and commit to works of reconciliation. Furthermore, we commit to show God's love to all people. We put scriptures with this and actually it was published in the Goochland Gazette this past week. We're going to share it with the Board of Supervisors in the upcoming meeting. And I think it's just a beautiful display of us showing scripturally and together what we believe about the issue of racism and how wrong it is. And today, what I want to do is I want to take you into scripture, into a a story where Jesus deals with some of this. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is talking to a teacher of the law. Conversation starts out just great, but then it takes a turn and Jesus tells a parable that teaches a really powerful lesson. Let's read it in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, on an occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the parable. In verse 30, Jesus replies, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
a priest happened to be going by down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he had came to the place he saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and he saw him. He took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look, he said, and when, he ret- when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You know, in the beginning of this interaction between the teacher of the law or the expert of the law and Jesus, everything was going really well. The man says, hey, what do I need to do to, inter- to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, how do you read the law? Tell me what you see. He replies, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, you got it. That's right. Good job. Then the story takes a twist. It says, wanting to justify himself. Y'all, that's never a good uh, starting point with God when you are trying to justify yourself. He asked this question, who is my neighbor? Now, y'all, I got to tell you, the problem is in the question itself. The problem is the premise of the question. Who is my neighbor assumes that there must be somebody who's not your neighbor. And the reality is anyone around us is our neighbor, right? And so Jesus, I I love this because he he says, let me answer this with a parable. And uh, I'm always impressed. The creativity, the simplicity, and yet the, the complexity in this parable that Jesus tells is just amazing. And with parables, there's always this aha moment. Of course, the aha moment or the gotcha moment in this parable is going to be when he says the Samaritan is the one who helps, right? But let's start with, uh, in order with our characters. First, you have a man who falls in the hands of late robbers and is left for dead. It's interesting is that this man has no labels. He's not a priest. He's not a Levite. He's not a Samaritan, which I have to say every time I read this story, I imagine Jesus telling his friends, okay, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan walk into a bar. Probably never happened, but that's what goes through my mind, right? So anyhow, this man has no descriptor, which is really interesting because he's the one who falls into robbers. He's the one who's had the injustice done to him, but there's no label, nothing saying who he was, where he was from. And I think that's really intentional because the reality is it doesn't matter, right? When they first heard this story, they're probably thinking that the neighbor is the man on the side of the road and they're all thinking, well, we should help him, right? That's what you would think. And uh, the reality is, yeah, everyone should help them. But Jesus continues with the story. And so the next three characters are people who had the power to do something to help the man, right? The first character is the priest. Now, when we first hear that a priest is coming by, you're thinking, well, he's going to go help him. He's a priest, right? He's like a pastor, like he should go help him, right? But in the story, we find that the priest doesn't want to get involved. Now, obviously, that's the wrong thing. 
And I wonder if for the hearers, if they're kind of wondering, because back in that day, a priest had duties with sacrifices and things like that. And if if a priest were to touch another person's um, blood at all, they'd have to go through a whole cleansing process and basically have to like take off from work or take off from their duties while they got themselves ceremonially clean again, right? But the reality is the fact that that might have even been in people's mind um, should not have overshadowed the fact that there is a man in need, right? And the, the fact is that our faith should never be a hiding place or an excuse. Our faith, in fact, should be a sending place or the reason why we go to the man, right? So the first person, the priest, obviously he fails at the test, right, in this story. The next person is a Levite. Now, it's an interesting choice because a priest is a subset of the tribe of Levite. Not all Levites are priests. So he goes from the priest, who we would expect to help, to kind of a large group of a whole tribe. And so now there's a Levite. It's kind of like an average Joe walking by, right? And um, that person, again, doesn't want to get involved. So now strike one, strike two, and now a Samaritan is walking by. Now, it's very interesting that Jesus uses a Samaritan here. And I got to tell you all, this is absolutely racial. Because about 900 years ago, Israel had 12 tribes. And those tribes split into two groups. Ten tribes to the north, two tribes to the south, right? The Samaritans were part of that upper group, right? That Those 10 tribes in the north, they would be carried off into exile. They would be forced to intermarry with other countries and things like that. When they would come back or, or be back in their own homeland, the Israelites in the south would look at the ones in the north and say, you're not pure. You're not one of us. And to, along with that, there were these civil wars that happened between them. So there's this great divide. It was racial. It was religious. It was There was just a great amount of animosity between the two, right? And so Jesus is really picking on this teacher of the law and the, and the people around them. I mean, when I say picking on them, I like really going to the heart of the matter. Picking a Samaritan who they would probably have some racial and some religious bias against. He would have, they would have issues with him. He picks that person to be the hero in the story. Now, people were probably just like squirming, like just not really happy with uh, where this story is going, right? The fact is, in this story, it's the Samaritan who helps He's the one who goes and helps. He's the one who gets his hands dirty and gets involved, right? And the reality is, it doesn't matter who's in need. It's matter, what matters is who's willing to help, right? And it, the neighbor in this story is the person who's willing to do something for the man on the side of the road. I find it interesting that this Samaritan in this story is the one who helps. Because the Samaritan in the story would have been the one who's most likely to know what it feels like to feel judged, to feel racism, to feel injustice. So the one in the story who's most likely to know what it is to be mistreated by the very listeners of the story is the one who empathizes for the man on the side of the road who's felt injustice literally felt injustice and is on the side of the road left for dead. 
He, it's the Samaritan who sympathizes. It's the Samaritan who goes and helps. And one of the things that Jesus is trying to point out here is that the priest should have helped. The Levite should have helped. And the Samaritan should have helped, right? It says of the priest and the Levite, it says that they both passed by on the other side of the road. That they saw the man. They saw his pain. They saw the injustice. And they passed by on the other side of the road. You know, right now in our society, racial injustice is a real lightning rod. And it's a topic that's impacting everyone. And it's the conversation that everyone has been having. And I think it's really incumbent upon us to not pass by on the other side of the road. You know, we've got to make a choice of, am I willing to go and be a part of the solution and go to the problem Whoever this is on the side of the road, am I willing to get involved? I know for a lot of us, we wonder, well, we will tell ourselves, well, I know that racism is wrong and I know that injustice is wrong, but we can sometimes feel like we're powerless to do something. And what Jesus is trying to do right here is he's trying to say, hey, the neighbor is the one who goes and does something. The neighbor is not the one who passes by on the other side. So you ask yourself, what can I do? Right? What can I do? And I want to share with you some practical things that we can be doing to help with a problem that really is um, substantial and really needs attention. Right? One of the things that you, we can all do is listen to people who have experienced injustice. I mean, just like let people tell you their stories. I've been calling friends of of color and and just listening on the phone and just saying, tell me your story. Tell me your family story. Tell me me what you're feeling like right now with what's going on. And I have heard a wide range of things as I've just listened. But one of the things that's really been, that's really impressed, made an impression on me is the pain that a lot of people have felt. A pain that they that they've experienced with what's going on. And I think, I don't know, right now that has made a connection with me in a way that maybe it it hadn't quite in the past. And I'm trying to allow that to impact me. One of the things that I felt like the the Lord wanted me to do was to start making some trips downtown and start praying. Uh, There's some real prayer warriors who have been going downtown and praying over the city and praying. And so uh, I found myself um, a few weeks ago downtown several times. One time uh, Elizabeth and I were downtown and we were praying not far from the from the Lee Monument. There's probably 200 past 200 Christians there, probably 40 pastors. And it was an awesome time of prayer. It was really cool because we had African-American, Latino, white, all kinds of pastors praying. And then all, everyone there marched down to Monroe Park. Um, and it was really a really beautiful thing. That night, Elizabeth and I made a decision. Hey, you know, it's late. Let's go or, or late for dinner anyhow. So let's, you know, go to a place that we love to eat. So we went to this place called Mama Jay's, which is in Jackson Ward. It's amazing. Anyhow, so we we got our food, and we went uh, about a block from there and sat on the steps of Lux Church, our good friends, Manny and Christine Pena. Uh, We sat there, opened up, had our fried catfish. It was amazing. And um, I told Elizabeth, we're having church now, right, as we're sitting there eating. Well, on our way back to the car, 
we had already walked by a young man who greeted us on the side of the road and told Elizabeth, I was like, I really want to walk by that guy's house and say hi to him again. And so we did. And we sat down. It's probably about eight o'clock at night. And we just got into this conversation with this young African-American man. Um, who I found out later is just about 30, 32 years old. And we're talking. And I just told him I wanted to hear his story. I also looked at him and I, I just said, hey, I... I'm really sorry for all that's going on right now, for the injustices that you've experienced in your life and um, for the mess that's going on in the world. And I got to say that a young man looked at me and he said, I have never had anyone say that to me. And he looked at me and he goes, I really appreciate that. And he and I just started talking. It ended up being about a two hour conversation. Meanwhile, his aunt came out and the neighbor came out. Another neighbor walking down the road came out, and uh, Elizabeth and I just did a lot of listening. And we heard a perspective in the inner city that we hadn't even heard from friends of ours that we've been calling and soliciting information from. And i got to tell you, it really put a burden in my heart. Uh, It put a burden in my heart for what people experience and and what they've seen firsthand. And i got to say, y'all, Racial injustice is very real, and um, it's our problem. It's our neighbor's problem, right? It's, it's our problem. It's not their problem. It's everyone's problem. Um, the Good Samaritan story, it teaches us that there is no there. It's us. Who is my neighbor? Well, it's the one who's willing to get in there and help, right? Another thing that I think we can do is have a voice. If you see something... Say something, right? Um, It's so easy, but takes no courage to just be quiet. Now, I'm not saying get inflammatory on like social media and all of that. I don't think that's really helpful. As a matter of fact, uh, while social media has its place, what it doesn't engender is real sincerity and eyeball-to-eyeball conversation. So I really think we have to be careful there. But the other thing is we have to have the courage to say something. I remember years ago probably 25 years ago, easy. When I was a school teacher, one day I was out and you know, the middle schoolers were playing some basketball during lunch and things like that. Some kid made fun of another kid's shoes or something like that. And something rose up in me and I got involved and I just, you know, said, hey, you know, we don't treat each other like that. That's not going to fly, that kind of thing. What was fascinating to me is I was just taking care of an issue. Well, the young man whose shoes they were making fun of happened to be Indian, um, and I got a letter from the parents later saying, thank you for standing up for our son. Thank you for saying something. Thank you for not allowing people to pick on him. And I, and I realized that they felt like it wasn't just a shoe problem, that it was a color of somebody's skin problem, and that people were trying to harass someone. And they were so thankful that an authority made sure that their son was protected and not exploited. You know, I read earlier this public proclamation in our county, and I'm just so proud of so many pastors in our community willing to just put their names on a piece of paper, put it in the paper, put it before our local government and say, hey, we're not going to stand for racism. We want to be part of the solution. We believe God's called us to love all people, and we're going to treat them as our neighbor. Another thing that we can do is learn. I think a lot of us 
uh, just learning more about the issue is helpful. And what's great is there's great access to information. A really interesting book that I think you'll probably enjoy is called Richmond's Unhealed History by Benjamin Campbell. Uh, it tells the story of Richmond, and it's a it tells a story from a Christian point of view that you know what there is a spiritual war going on. The enemy wants us to find reasons to not like each other, to judge each other, and to have bias. And um, the book has been recommended to me by a lot of folks, and it, it's it's uh, excellent. Another thing that we can do is learn about what systemic racism is. You can YouTube that and, and learn all and learn things about it. What's interesting about systemic racism is that it's an us thing, not an individual. And a lot of times when many of us think about racism, we judge the issue by our own heart and how we perceive ourselves. But we don't always understand the systems and things that are in place that is the we that actually hurt people. And it's really something worth learning about because the reality is it's a really complex problem. And it's the kind of problem that's going to take we rather than an individual to solve. And I would just encourage you to just ask the Lord, say, what do you want me to do? What's my place? What's the right conversation? Let him fill you with wisdom and his Holy Spirit to know how to be part of it. You know, um, serving this man on the side of the road ended up costing the good Samaritan something. Choosing to love this man on the side of the road and to serve his needs really cost him. And I think that's a lesson to us because the fact is, is if we're going to see an injustice or we're going to see something wrong and we're going to get involved... We've got to count the cost. We have to look at it and say, you know what? I might be inconvenienced. You know, this Samaritan, he had to interrupt his plans and stop what he was doing. He had to get dirty, right? Like he had to like take a man whose clothes have been stripped off of him, who is bloodied, put him on his own, you know, transportation and get him to an inn and take care of him overnight. I mean, that's extraordinary. And it costs the good Samaritan money, right? Like it really had a several layer cost to this man and his life to get involved. But you know, that's what being a good neighbor looks like. And it, it can cost us something. I just want to encourage you today to just make a decision in your own heart. You know what, God? Um, people being treated wrongly is wrong. And I don't want to stand for it. And I just want to make sure that I'm part of the solution for it. I know this has been a big deal in our community over the last several weeks. And I've put out a couple Saturday morning videos on YouTube and Facebook, just sharing some thoughts from conversations I've had in my own learning. I'm in by no way an expert on the, the situation, but I will tell you what, I'm committed to be a neighbor. I want to be a good neighbor uh, because that's what I see Jesus doing. When I when I see when I think about what would Jesus do in this day and age, um, he would offer people help. He would roll up his sleeves. He would love everyone, and he would care if someone was being mistreated, and he would want it to be changed. I want to take a moment, and I want to pray with you today. We're going to pray. Just God help us to to love our neighbor. God forgive us of racism in us, around us, biases that we have. God, let our hearts be pure. Let's just, let's take a moment and let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for your scripture, which can challenge us to the core. And Lord, today, we just let your word 
be a challenge to us. And I say today, Lord God, would you help us and empower us to love our neighbor? God, to see all of mankind as made in your image and worthy, God, of being loved and treated well so that they might see you inside of us. God, it's not who was our neighbor. God, it's about us being a good neighbor. Lord, today we just repent. We just say, God, forgive us. Forgive us for our own biases, our own racism, our own things in our own hearts where that can be there. And we just say, God, we want our hearts to be right. And we give permission, Lord, for you to continue to transform our own hearts that we could love people well. And God, we commit today just to be part of the solution of reconciliation. God, we just don't want to pass on the other side of the road. God, we want in our hearts to be a person who would go to the person who's been treated unjustly and just say, what can I do? God, we just say today, we need your help. We cry out to your help. And we also say, Lord God, would you rebuke the enemy? God, who likes to undermine us in our own weaknesses, God, who likes to create division, who likes to create hatred, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God, you have come to give us life and life more abundantly. And so, God, we say we are on your side. We want to be aligned with you. And, Lord, give him no authority or power. So, Lord, would you rebuke the enemy in our community? Would you rebuke the enemy in our country? Would you rebuke the enemy, God, from the influence that he would have to try to divide us? by the own wickedness that can be in our hearts. And we just say, God, we cry out to your help. We thank you that your word says, humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he must flee. God, we thank you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I I love about scriptures, I love watching Jesus. He is the greatest teacher I want to ask you today, have you made a decision to follow Jesus? I've got to tell you, there's no one better in the universe to follow than our God. He loves you. He gave his life up for you. And he has good things for you. And I just want to encourage you today, if you've never taken life out of your own hands and put it into the hands of Jesus, I would just encourage you to do it today. There, there's nothing like putting your life in his hands. If you're ready to do that today, I encourage you to just pray and just say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you and just know what it is to put my life into your hands. And if that's you today, we're here to help. You can go to victorychristian.church. Click on Next Steps. Share your information with us and we'll reach out to you. We'd love to walk with you in this journey. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, just go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.